Welcome to One Screened Every Minute. I'm Elizabeth Callanan. To begin, I'd like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land I'm recording on today. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Ask any expectant parent what they want for their child and they'll likely tell you, I just hope they're happy and healthy. Increasingly, people are seeking reassurance and peace of mind through non-invasive prenatal screening, or NIPT. At as early as 10 weeks, a simple blood test can provide information about the likely genetic makeup of the foetus. But what happens when the results are unexpected? When they raise more questions than answers? In one screened every minute, I'll bring you conversations with ordinary people who have received extraordinary information about their pregnancy. In each episode, we hear how they understood and navigated the options available to them after receiving screening results showing a high chance of chromosomal differences. These stories are shared so we can learn but not judge, and they need our urgent attention. Today on One Screened Every Minute, I'm speaking with Sally. Sally lives with her husband Josh and their three children in regional Victoria. When pregnant with their eldest child, Oscar, their non-invasive prenatal screening results showed a high chance for trisomy 21, or Down syndrome. Sally talks about how the screening result placed her and Josh at a crossroad and how they made the decision together to continue their pregnancy. Sally, thanks for joining me today. We're still under stage four restrictions here in Melbourne and you're in stage three, I think, in regional Victoria. So we're recording remotely, but we're joined by the power of technology and our fabulous producer, Joel. So Sally, can you start maybe by introducing yourself and uh, telling us a bit about your family? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Lizzie, for the opportunity. So yeah, in stage three lockdown, um, yeah, my name's Sally. I'm married to Josh and we've got three children. Like you said, Oscar was our first firstborn um, and he's our little man with Down syndrome. And then we have Adeline, who's two, and Banjo, who's nearly 10 months now. And Oscar's just turned four in July. Busy times. <laughs> Busy for everyone in different ways, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> They're very cute names too. <laughs> So we've had a few false starts um, while working out how best to sort of be able to record in line with restrictions. So thank you so much for your patience and hanging in there. Um, Tell me, what made you say yes to speaking today and sharing your experience? Uh, I think any opportunity to just um, promote and shout the worth of our little people, um, particularly around Oscar and any opportunity to help others is what I see this opportunity as. So when, um, you know, you reached out, I thought I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I know that when we got our diagnosis with Oscar, one thing I did particularly was reach out to others who would walk the same path. So I'm hoping just by sharing our own personal story that maybe someone might hear this and it may be a help for them as well. Yeah, great. Thank you. So I want to sort of take you back before you had embarked on any prenatal screening, so perhaps in those sort of early, you know, days and weeks of your first pregnancy. And I wonder if you can think back and remember sort of how you first learnt about non-invasive prenatal screening. 
Yeah, no worries. So I was 35 when we became pregnant with Oscar and we obviously had our first initial scans, um, finding out we were pregnant and things like that. And I do recall our doctor at the time talking briefly about possible screening and testing and both Josh and I were adamant that we didn't want to do any of that and our reasoning for that at that time was that um, it didn't matter either way, like whatever was to come, we were happy and accepting of that at that point before we knew what was to come, I suppose. So, yeah, it was those initial brief conversations and I'm assuming that was based on my age at the time when we fell pregnant. Yeah, so you, you did make that choice um, along the way to to do the non-invasive prenatal screening. So maybe if you can talk through that sort of process that led up to that decision. It was at our 12-week scans everything trekked along um, as you would expect for a pregnancy um, and I guess as we as basic as you could understand for a first-time pregnancy for us we had our 12-week scan um, uh, the first proper one I suppose you could say we'd had little ones at our doctors just to see bubs in there but it was at that 12-week scan where they look obviously a lot more closely at everything Josh was with me at the time and uh, the sonographer went over all our measurements and then she came back to a a scan which was the nuchal fold on um, the baby's neck, so Oscar's. We didn't know it was a boy or a girl at that point or Oscar for that matter. But, um, <laughs> yeah, she was looking very closely at the nuchal fold on his neck and she came back to it at the end and she said there's a thick reading on the neck and, you know, which meant nothing to us obviously and we said to her, what does that mean? And I'll just never forget that moment. She had a very thick accent. I don't know if she was Scottish or Irish and it doesn't matter but I just remember she kept saying it's a chance for Down syndrome, it's a chance for Down syndrome and, yeah, it was a tiny room we were in and I just remember in that moment crying. I was devastated hearing that news at that moment. And, and I think, yeah, I was, I was scared, but I was honestly just so worried. Um, and so in terms of our prenatal screening, we went from there, we were very lucky in that she made an appointment straight away with our doctor and we got straight into him. After that appointment, we left the sonographer and we went to our doctor and talked it through more with him. Um, so you walked literally straight from that, straight from... Yeah. 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 Yes. We were very lucky. Yeah. We're at the um, Horsham hospital and she rang our doctor. And so we went straight to him. He fit us in, which was amazing. He talked it through a bit more that, you know, obviously that, that meant that there could be a chance for Down syndrome. It wasn't a given obviously, but um, it was one of the indicators. So it was at that point we decided that we wanted to do um, the harmony test we, because Josh and I thought, our stance hadn't changed, but I guess your mindset is very different when you're beforehand saying you don't want screening to, okay, there's a very good chance now it seemed. So our mindset changed that we wanted to know at that point if that was the, the road that we were on. Mm-hmm. And can you remember, um, maybe talk a little bit more about that that initial conversation with your GP and what sort of he said and what options he he gave you at that time? For us, our doctor was very professional, caring in that moment. It still wasn't known if that was what was happening, but he was pragmatic in what he said our options were in terms of finding out. So we felt um, supported by him. I 
yeah, I, I was hurt, I guess, at the time with the sonographer, but I guess it was the shock of the news. It was, you know, she was also professional and doing her job, but I think it was, you just felt so, yeah, you were so sensitive, I suppose, at that moment. But yeah, they were both doing their job and talking to our doctor, we really felt that he was very good and we were so thankful that he got us in straight away. And the next morning we had the blood test. And that night we rang our families and they came straight around. And of course, as you do, we convinced ourselves that that wouldn't be the case. And, you know, Josh's German heritage, we're like, oh, no, he's just thick neck like dad and pa (laughs) and all that kind of thing. So you just go through those motions. But it was it was a huge shock. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like making those calls to family? Um, It was very hard, like. For my family, it was the first grandchild. We, um, I've got an older niece, but it was a different journey. And so for us, you know, different things had happened throughout our lives and this is our happy chapter. And so to ring them and say, you know, things have taken a turn, it was really tough. And they were obviously just so, so, so worried for Josh and I. And, you know, I guess in that moment, devastated to think, you know, what that meant for us in our lives and, you know, the, the, I guess the heaviness of that on your children is not what anyone wants for anyone. So it was really tough to ring them. But of course, where we've got amazing parents, we're so lucky, you know, to be surrounded by them and our families and friends. And straight away, they came to our house, like mum and dad live an hour away and Josh's family, you know, came straight, straight around as well. And that was everything to us, you know, to be able to have them there was huge. Did they bring sort of different opinions or was there anything kind of challenging about yeah. about their involvement? Or um, I think at that point, because it was the night that we'd just had the scan and we didn't have those definitive answers at that point, I think everyone was just trying to be optimistic and, you know, you know, what will be will be. But at the same time too, I think most of us convinced that surely just because of the rarity, like I didn't, like I knew a family, but I hadn't known anyone else to have a baby with Down syndrome in all my networks and Josh's and, you know, we had different connections along the way, but I guess it just seemed so unlikely. I guess everyone's just naive to think it's just, which is okay because it is a rare thing. And I guess our families brought those conversations that we were having ourselves like it surely couldn't be. And, you know, at that point, our conversations were around uh, you know, I doubt that's the case. Like we'll go with it and see what the blood tests come and then we'll get the facts and go from there. So mm-hmm. that was our mindset that night with their support. Yeah, yeah. And so then the next morning you had the blood test for the Harmony yeah. the Harmony test. Yeah. And then that was sent off. How what was the wait time? Um, I think it was about a week or so. Um and yeah, we were fine in that week, you know, waiting. I guess you would come back to it and think about it. But um, to be honest, yeah, I, I really honestly probably didn't think that that was going to be the case. We just went on with things and our, um, it came about when the results were in, our doctor rang us and I took that call. Um, I think I was even at work and so we made the appointment to go and see him and, um, yeah, Josh came as well and it was just, you know, the results are in and we'll come and so that was all it was discussed on the phone, so which I was glad for. So yeah, we made the time then to go and see him as a couple. Yeah, and he gave us the results. 
And can you remember what say what that car trip was like going to the did did you and just talk much or did you did you sort of have an inkling that um of what might be to come or um I think for Josh and I how we try you know as most couples do our mindset is always there's nothing that we can't handle together so you know going there we just thought what will be will be and the decision was already made and it was out of our hands so we went in there together thinking that it probably wouldn't be (laughs) that but um whatever happens happens and we just have to yeah cross that bridge when we come to it and I guess we're so lucky to have each other and yeah that was the mindset that we went in with Mm -hmm. so so what happened next so we went into our doctors and he sat us down and he was again very professional and caring in how he delivered the news um, which I know isn't always the case with some people sadly but for us yeah we were very grateful for Dr Wilson in that moment he told us that the results had come back and with 99% certainty our little baby had Down syndrome and that you know he talked about possible health implications which is accurate and factual so you know he went through what things may happen but not not, it's not a given obviously not every person's the same and certainly not every person with down syndrome so he went over that briefly about some things that could come up but he also I'll never forget him saying but they're generally happy little cherubs which was a lovely thing to say in that moment so and there was really nothing else to say it was just he obviously knew we needed to digest that um And I never remember it being said, but I knew walking out in that moment that we had a decision to make around abortion. And so we left, you know, with that information and that decision without it being said explicitly. But Mm. I guess because so many people decide to do that, we knew that was also an option for us, you know, which is an option for everyone. If you want more detail and particularly to hear about the difference between screening technology like non-invasive prenatal screening and diagnostic tests like amniocentesis or chorionic villus sampling, known as CVS, head back to the Explainer episode with genetic counsellor Melody. A diagnostic test like amniocentesis, often just referred to as an amnio, is used to confirm a high-chance non-invasive prenatal screening result. In this test, usually carried out between 15 and 20 weeks of pregnancy, a needle is used to draw out a sample of amniotic fluid from around the foetus. This fluid contains cells with the same genetic makeup as the foetus. In Sally and Josh's case, they chose not to undergo any further diagnostic testing because of their concerns about the increased risk of miscarriage associated with amniocentesis. So we walked out of there with the knowledge that our baby had Down syndrome and whether where we went to from here. So that was, yeah, it was really heartbreaking and heavy and I remember standing out the front of the doctor's surgery and, yeah, it was devastating, like, and to call our parents, you know, and tell them that, you know, and it's hard to revisit now because I feel so sad that that's how I felt in that moment but it's raw and it's natural um and yeah it was devastating to ring our families and say 
this is this is the fact, this is what's happened and this is the result. And they were obviously devastated and worried for us as their children. My parents are very faith-filled people and, you know, I'll never forget mum saying she had rosary beads and she threw them across the room because she felt, oh. yeah, she felt devastated that, you know, something like that would happen. Um, yeah, it, it, it was tough, but, you know, here we are on the flip side four years later and, you know, there's so much more to say about that, but that moment was really, really tough for all of us. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you are in a very different place now. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to, to look back on sort of what you didn't know. Yes. I, I feel, yeah, I feel the same, yeah, with thinking about the early sort of hours and days of Greta's diagnosis, and it's actually hard to imagine. Yes. Um, it's just hard to put yourself back in there and um yeah it's a pandora's box isn't it you're like gosh how could i have felt like that yeah but it's not you can't deny that that's naturally how you felt in that moment yeah yeah and did you and josh react similarly like were you on the same page or did it take a while to get to the same page or what what was it like for you as a couple (laughs) yeah it it um I think I was devastated initially and very upset and Josh was very supportive. And then we went home and we just wanted to be on our own, like our parents offered to come around and family, but we obviously needed as a couple to just digest that. So we did, we went home and, you know, we talked about it. And I think the heaviest burden for us of all was that um, possibility of abortion. So that was what weighed on our minds and we both went around and around that option so much in that, you know, first couple of days. So that was it, the heaviest thing of all, I think, more so than the diagnosis. We went home and, you know, I'll never forget Josh was okay initially, but the next morning he was very upset and, you know, that was really hard as well um, as we went between what it meant and Funnily enough, when I met Josh early on, I went to a Down syndrome camp with him because he worked with special needs. And you think about all these things, but it was particularly um, important in that moment that I remembered and loved him so much when I first met him, when we were at that camp and he was so caring to all those kids. And afterwards, Josh said, I always thought I'd be a dad to a Down syndrome little person. You know, he always had that notion, but Never said it before to me, but, you know, you think about all these things afterwards, I suppose. Wow. It's funny how things kind of come about, isn't it? Mm. Mm. So he'd had that experience and that sort of thought buried, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but then still that that shock or... That's right. And that, that sort of overhanging kind of decision. Yeah, 100%. And I guess it's different to... Um, work in that space and, you know, be a support for families um, and to be accepting of people. But then to think when it's your own family and your own life, you know, in that moment, we both thought we were making decisions for what we hoped would be future siblings. Um, And I guess I've always thought afterwards, mostly in those early hours and days, it was around fear of what the life meant for this little person, you know, were we doing the right thing in going ahead or not going ahead? And, you know, what did it mean? What was the right thing to do? So how did you, what did you, how did you make, knowing that you had to make a decision, how did you come to that? Yeah, 
Um, it was a lot of discussions, mostly between Josh and I, and what it meant one way or the other, and a lot of can we do this? Are we cut out for it? You know, we didn't even think we could do it, which is, seems again crazy now because it's like, what do what? You know, really? But that's right. How how were you getting? How were you building a picture of what that was? Where were you getting your information from? I don't even know what I thought it was based on. It was just, you know, very, very small knowledge of what I thought Down syndrome was and, you know, the picture I'd painted in my head and it was a very inaccurate picture and I guess it just, yeah, was probably built on around the health fears and things like that and my limited knowledge of what it was to know and have a person, you know, know properly a person with Down syndrome, what their life entailed or what it could entail. But I remember thinking, could we do it? What did it mean for our future siblings? Was it the right thing to do for this baby if they were going to, you know, have health implications? Um, I also had crazy thoughts of, you know, would we ever travel again? And, you know, it's just crazy what you think in those early hours and days. But wrapped around a fear and the unknown. So, Mm, mm. yeah, we just went around and around with those thoughts and ideas. And so were you seeking information, like were you Googling, were you, what what was happening in those sort of first days? Yeah, we did um, a bit of Googling, which a lot of people say isn't the the right thing to do and I couldn't agree more. Like you're just like, oh, what is this? Like this, you know, it doesn't feel right and it didn't look right in terms of accurate information and particularly for us individually. And, yeah, again, we continued to talk with family and have honest and raw conversations with them we'd never had before and they were so supportive we were so lucky. And the best thing we did was talk to a family, Anne and John Page, whose daughter Joanne has Down syndrome, and that was the greatest thing we did in that moment. And they came to our wedding, and John and Joe, and it's funny, like I talk about, you know, that camp with Josh, but also Anne, Josh knew through his work, but I'd also grown up with a family who used to look after Joe, so there was another link there that we both knew that family oh, through different. So you were already connected to that to yes. that family. Yes, yeah. we were. Ah. So we thought the first thing we needed to do was talk to them, and they were so amazing, and just said, "Come to our house and talk it all through." And the first thing Joe said was how lucky we were to have someone like her. And <laughs> You know, so, yeah, it was amazing and it just like, gosh, it was just the the best thing I think we did in that moment in those days was just like this is what it's like. It's nothing to be scared of or worried about. Um, yeah, so that I, certainly above Googling was the best thing for sure. Yeah, right. Um, and what was the conversation like with Anne and John? Uh, so they were, you know, naturally very caring towards us and they knew what it meant. Obviously, they'd travelled the path for a lot longer than us. Um, Joe's about 40. So, yeah, they, I guess, and it probably brought it all back for them as well, you know, in that moment of diagnosis and things like that. But they were so caring and, you know, welcoming. They knew what it meant. They knew it was big and they knew it was a tough thing to hear for a couple and for your first bub to, you know, have that news. But, yeah, they, we just went there and had honest conversations with us and there was nothing really to say. It was just, yes, it's a different road, but it's it's a beautiful one. And, you know, Josh, again, was amazing with um, 
giving us the the poem. Gosh, now I can't think of it. Welcome to Holland. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, which probably every Down syndrome family knows, but I remember reading that and looking at that and all those things started to paint a different picture in my mind of what, what it really meant. Yeah. So how long after getting those other non-invasive prenatal screening results was it that you'd met with Anne and, um, and Joe and John? So we had um, the results given to us one day, and I think it was the next day we went to see John um, and Joe and Anne. So, yeah, it was pretty quick. Oh, really? The next day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted to see them straight away. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was teamed with the fact we had a meeting on the Monday to discuss our decision that was hanging over us. So, yeah, I guess, we, yeah. So that's interesting. So you said you said at that first uh, appointment with the GP, it wasn't, um, termination wasn't explicitly discussed, but you sort of left with that sense that you had a decision to make. But there was a, um, would I be right in saying that there was a appointment made Yes. For a few days, I sort of like let this, yeah, let, let this digest information this. settle, yeah, and come back and we'll talk some more. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was around where to from here. Um, we live three hours from Melbourne, so I guess it was okay. Where to from here? And yeah, I don't remember it being explicit around termination or not, but it was probably around well, we're going to need greater supports as well than what we could access locally um, where we live in Horsham, so rurally. Um, yeah, but it was definitely that decision over our heads weighing on us, which, like I said, in on reflection was a far greater burden than the diagnosis. Mm. And driving away from meeting or um, talking with um, Anne and John and Joe, do you remember sort of what what you, you were feeling or what you might have spoken about in the hour home? I think we we began to feel lighter in our decision. Like I think initially it was that hurt and the upset and the shock, but the it's like anything, you know, the more time you have and the more, the more you can digest something and, you know, get your facts around things and get your head around things, the lighter we felt in what was happening and I'll never forget, like, I don't know at what point it was, but it was certainly after we'd seen John and Joe and just being in the kitchen and Josh hugging me and just saying, we can do, you know, like, and we both knew in that moment that it was okay and we could do it. And, you know, like I said before, it was just, there's nothing that we can't do together. So I was just so grateful for him to just say, there's no decision to be made. Like, we don't have to think about it anymore. Like, we don't have to be upset about it. We don't have to have that hanging over us because there's no decision to make. Like nothing had changed from our appointments and seeing that baby that we'd loved and Josh was always about the heartbeat and it was still there. There was still a little person to love. So I just remember the lightness in feeling that it was okay after all those things and all those supports. And that hug in the kitchen, was that sort of like a, do you feel that was almost the the time where you know, you made that decision that you were. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I knew that we both, because, you know, obviously as much as we're a team and a unit, but we both had to come to the point of 
one way or the other. And we both flipped with that in those initial hours and days. We both went from, is it the right thing to do? Do we go ahead? Don't we? And, you know, I had those personal moments and Josh did. And it wasn't until that moment. I do, I honestly feel like that was the moment we just said, yeah, that's it. We're going ahead. There's nothing to be made. Yeah, that was it after that, which is a huge relief. Mm. I can imagine sort of, you know, being part of a couple and wanting the other person to independently come to the decision as well. Um, yeah. So I could see that would be a real challenge. It's something you sort of obviously, you know, want to come to together, but you also, you, yeah. you kind of both need to be independently um, on the same page. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, is perhaps more, you know, good luck than good management in many That's circumstances it, exactly. as well. A hundred percent. And it's just, it's so different to, you know, we were such a different couple getting that diagnosis to the couple that said flippantly, we don't need screening. If anything happens, we won't, there's no decision to be made. But then to be at those crossroads is a very, very different thing. So you hope and pray that, you know, you're on the same page, but until you've delivered something like that, it's a huge life altering thing. It's a real test for you as an individual and test for us as a couple. So yeah, I'm just so grateful that we were on that same page and I feel for people that that may not be the case. Mm be very, very difficult. And Sally, I just think it's such a significant point that you make there. And I think sort of really speaks to the purpose of this podcast in that, you know, everyone brings different experiences, different values and beliefs. And ultimately this technology gives us this information that then demands a decision. Yes. And often those decisions are made behind closed doors and they're not spoken about and, you know, there can be shame attached to that. Um, but I think the you saying, um, you know, how different you can, you can have all these ideas prior to receiving mm. this knowledge, but um, until yeah. you've walked that path, um, you know, it's, it's a very different situation and, and important that people don't judge you know no one can walk in someone else's shoes um no yeah no definitely not but again that's where um having that information and having that support um so that whatever decision is made is is the best for that family and made based on accurate information I guess yeah yeah that's exactly right yeah couldn't agree more and it's very it's a very very personal thing yeah hmm so tell us about that next doctor's appointment. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so moving through and, you know, getting to that point of, no, we're moving forward. We had our appointment, I think it was on the Monday. So, for example, we had, I can't remember the exact days, but it was a couple of days later that we had that appointment. Um, and we walked in together as a united front and we just said, there's no decision to be made. We'll be proceeding with our pregnancy um, so basically where to from here, <laughs> you know, what do we do now kind of thing? Um, yeah. And again, he was very, very good in that. And he linked us straight into the Royal Women's. And like I said, we're in Horsham. So what it meant for us from there was a lot more appointments and screening just to keep an eye on bubs. We didn't know if it was a boy or girl. And 
we kind of said we we'd found out enough. We we still wanted that surprise when the baby came and that hadn't changed. So yeah, um, yeah. So for us, it meant more appointments in Melbourne. So from that doctor's appointment, then it was a referral down to Melbourne, um, which we had not long after, and that and then we also had a meeting with a genetic counsellor. So that was also arranged for us as well. So that was our first appointment in Melbourne was around a scan and an appointment with a genetic counsellor to further discuss our diagnosis. Okay. So a couple of things from, from what you just said, when you went to the GP for the second, the, the follow-up appointment, mm-hmm. you, you said, you know, you, you went in with a united front. Did you have a sense you were going to have to defend your decision or that there might be um, so, yeah, or no, I didn't at all. And like I said, I'm so thankful for Dr. Wilson and the way he approached, you know, our news and the delivery of that information initially. And then from there, so as a doctor and a health professional, he put on the table what our options were, you know, which was fine. That's his job to do that. And obviously, there's such high abortion rates, and obviously, it's a path that a lot of people choose. Um, with the Down syndrome diagnosis, but it wasn't the one for us. But I didn't feel, and I don't think Josh would say that, you know, he was shocked that we'd decided to go through it or anything like that. And he was just, okay, well, this is where we go to from here. And he also shared some personal stories about himself and, you know, different things as well, which we're really grateful for and really put the personal touch on on those moments. And, yeah, I didn't feel like we were judged for moving forward or making that decision at all. So we're very, yeah, very thankful for him for that is he still your gp now yes he is and he has been for our other two bobs as well yeah good consistency there yeah that's right so so then the um appointment with the genetic counselor what was that like um well the scan was just lovely like you know like anyone that goes and gets the opportunity to see their baby and the scan and it was you know we're just excited like we're just glad to see baby and Josh always looked for the heartbeat and you know so it was all very straightforward in terms of the scan and we met with a lovely genetic counsellor at the women's who was really good and showed us some um, pictures and things around how it comes to be that you would have a T21 baby so you know in terms of the chromosomes and things like that which probably went over my head to be honest but yeah it was just factual and but she was really good um I think we only met with her once or twice because by that point Josh and I were okay with where we're at we had really good support and our mindset was fine which wouldn't necessarily be the case with some people which is why I imagine you would continue or have the access to see a genetic counsellor. But for us, we didn't feel we needed that anymore. We were okay with, you know, what was happening. Um, yeah, and aside from the factual things like that, we didn't feel like, yeah, we needed to talk it through anymore, I suppose. Down Syndrome Australia has a great website if you're looking for easily accessible and accurate information about the genetic condition, including what it's like to live with Down Syndrome. Their prenatal testing fact sheet is a great place to start gathering information. They even have an app aimed at answering common questions about Down syndrome. Have a look at the notes from this episode over at onescreenedeveryminute.com for links. And then, so the pregnancy, you you had to have a 
a few more appointments that were Melbourne-based? Was that the main sort of difference? Yeah, it was. So as the pregnancy went on, we had scans um, about once every month um, down in Melbourne. And yeah, like I said, Josh always came to those until the last one, you know, he had something on and my parents were in Melbourne, so they came to that one. And of course it was that one where they're like, ooh, something, something's up here. And, you know, of course, as it would be. And what is yeah. that about? Why is it? A, why yeah, is it that's right. It's like, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical. But um, and so, what was the what was the news in for that scan? Yep. So that was around um, thirty four weeks, and the, they were concerned about the placenta and the blood flow in and out for bubs. So that basically meant from then on, I wasn't going home, so I was still working at that point, and you know, I was due to go back to work the next day, and. Josh was obviously back in Horsham and they're like, oh, you're not going anywhere. We're admitting you. And so it was all a bit mind boggling, really. Um, just, yeah, so obviously needed to do greater scans and looking and making sure everything was going okay. So, yeah, that's where after that we pretty much just stayed in Melbourne and Josh came down the next day. I was FaceTiming him with, get this, get that, and <laughs> pack, pack, so, pack the bag. So you pack the bag, yeah, so we're on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but after that we just stayed in Melbourne, mostly at nearby hotels and we could go in and out to have scans every day pretty much just to look at that blood flow and keep a close eye on it, which was really worrying. Like you think, gosh, you know, we've come this far, we've, you know, we know what's going on and I just remember thinking I can't come this far and not meet our little, you know what I mean, not yeah. for it all not to work out surely kind of thing. So that was, yeah, a really worrying time, but obviously we're in the best the best hands with our doctors down there as well. And um, so did he come early or or did it have to be managed differently towards the end there then? Or? So in the end, Dr. Alska was our doctor in at the women's and she said, uh, we think it's time, you know, based on what they could see in terms of the blood flow. Um, so at 35 weeks and five days, we were induced. So... Yeah, which was exciting. It was obviously nerve-wracking, but all along we just thought, well, we need to do what's right for bubs and we want to, you know, we're in their care and advice. So, um, yeah, I was lucky we were induced, but I was able to have a natural birth and, yeah, we were so lucky to have that. And, yeah, Oscar was really quite fine just early and had to get feeding on track for him. So, yeah, it was lovely. So was it quick in the end or...? never feels quick. To... <laughs> no. <laughs> not really, no. Um, no, it was actually not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, all day I laboured and then active labour was um, at night and he was born about 10 o'clock at night. So, yeah, it was, you know, induced the day before and then he was born the next day that night. So, yeah, in terms of your first labor and things like that it felt long but no it was yeah, yeah it was it was actually really good on reflection now and talking to different people like, oh, we've got nothing to complain about so yeah it was it was really good and yeah I was so glad to be able to have a natural birth yeah birth with him <laughs> in the overall scheme of things pretty uh yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> and what a relief like over that that pregnancy so many different periods of receiving unexpected news and then to have him in your arms Oh, yeah, there's nothing like it, you know, and all those worries and concerns just dissolve as, you know, suddenly you've got a little baby to love, you know, and it's just nothing like it. And, you know, to have that moment and, you know, 
Down syndrome or not, there's nothing more beautiful than that moment when your little baby's born and they're on your chest and there you are and it's like, yep, here we are, you know. So, yeah, it was so special and nothing detracted from that at all. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I often sort of think about the difference between having a, a prenatal diagnosis to a postnatal diagnosis that you've been able to gather that information um, while, you know, while bub's on the inside and then once you get to the um, delivery and that there's no sort of, um, there's nothing, you know, to absorb, you, you know, you know that news and you can yes. get on with things. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. So we were just so grateful, you know, and that was our journey. I guess everyone's different, you know, path to that point, I suppose, isn't it? And some people say, oh, I'm glad we didn't know, whereas for us it was like, I'm glad we knew. And, Mm. you know, with our subsequent pregnancies for Adeline and Banjo, we also did the prenatal testing as well with them. So just we felt knowledge was power. Yeah, knowledge is power. Okay, yeah. Did it change... um how did, how was your thinking around the screening for your subsequent pregnancies? So, again, for us and having then obviously had, we had Oscar and we thought, well, we know this is definitely something that can happen in a pregnancy. So our mindset was, you know, not to, you know, we weren't naive to the fact that it could happen. It wasn't necessarily something that would happen just because obviously we had Oscar didn't mean we were going to have more Down syndrome children, but I guess we're a lot firmer in our belief having gone through what we did with Oscar, that it really didn't matter. But we did want to find out and that was basically around, yes, we wanted to know one way or the other, which was fine. Like I remember talking about, oh, well, you know, <laughs> you know, they'll always have each other and, you know, one way or the other it didn't matter. Um, but also we lived, yeah, three hours away, so we needed to find out if we were going to have to have more appointments and things like that again in Melbourne. So we needed to know and we wanted to know straight away if that was the path we were on again, that we were prepared for future and more appointments in Melbourne if need be, um, and also then managing Oscar around that if that was the case. Mm-hmm. You've spoken about a lot of people who've had had a really positive impact on those um, early sort of hours and days and, and weeks and during your pregnancy. Was there anything on reflection, um, you know, anything or anyone that wasn't wasn't that helpful or that something that could have things that could have been different yeah um and thus making your experience more positive I think um I think the thing is you just don't think it's going to be you like I was thinking about this and you know what was unhelpful in that moment and the biggest thing was probably my mindset and the un the the seed that it could happen you know I just did not think it could happen and probably Josh didn't either and so for anyone pregnant you know you think it won't happen to you but the reality is it might be a very small chance that it would happen to you but there is that chance that it can and I think yeah I guess there was nothing particularly unhelpful aside from our mindset and the belief that it wouldn't happen to us so Mm -hmm. there was no one that made it really tough and initially I was hurt with the sonographer in that moment but on reflection she was doing her job and what what other way would you tell someone that and she was delivering news to me that I didn't want to hear in that moment so it wasn't her fault it was just something that I did not think 
would happen so it was very hard to hear but it wasn't in the way she delivered it, it was just that my mindset was that I did not think that that would ever happen to me. Mm. And so for prospective parents who might be thinking about non-invasive prenatal screening, what message would you give them? I'd say go for it. Like our, our journey was that we found out and it was good to know. So like we did with our following pregnancies, we just wanted to know one way or the other and it allowed us the time to digest that. But I think too, we're getting better and better around awareness of what it is to have a, a young person with Down syndrome, a person with Down syndrome in your family. You know, I'm so grateful for the world that we live in now. It's not like it used to be even a very short time ago in terms of life and prognosis and understanding and awareness of what it was for someone with Down syndrome. So I'm so grateful to be a parent of a little boy with Down syndrome in this day and age, but also to be surrounded by parents as well that have the same mindset. Like we've got an Instagram page called Lessons from Oscar where we just try and show people what it is for the day-to-day. That was another really big support that we found. We just, you know, better than Google was looking on Instagram accounts and things like that. So just to show it's just so day-to-day, there's nothing very different for our lives with Oscar. So I guess get prenatal screening, be informed, but get facts around what it is and what it really looks like. For anyone that might hear this or, you know, might be at those crossroads that we were, um, I'd probably just like to say reach out to families that have a person with Down syndrome in their family. I've had people reach out to me through our Instagram page and I'm so grateful for that. I've met with couples. I've had another lady who had a a suspected mosaic, actually, Lizzie diagnosis. And, you know, just reach out and talk to families and get the real sense of what it is. Don't be fearful. It's natural to feel that fear, own that, you know, feelings and that's okay but it really, really is a love like no other. And when you get that little person, it's unbelievable and it's worth taking that leap of faith for the road less travel because it's just unbelievable. And I, I couldn't think of, I wouldn't want Oscar any other way than having him with Down syndrome. Thank you, Sally. And thanks for sharing your story today on One Screened Every Minute. I'm sure that your insights will be valuable to others as they sort of understand and navigate unexpected prenatal screening results so thank you no worries at all thank you so much for the opportunity lizzie really appreciate it i'm elizabeth callanan and you've been listening to one screened every minute if you want to check in about terminology or specifics the explainer episode with genetic counselor melody is the best place to start and for more information and links There are notes for each episode over at onescreeneveryminute.com. Thanks to Everpatient series producer Joel Supple and to the University of Melbourne, Melbourne Disability Institute and the Vasudhara Foundation for supporting the podcast and allowing these important stories to be shared. (laughs) 